Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Daniel chapter 11 verses 32. One, two, three, let's go. Bible says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that know their God, they shall be strong. And do exploit. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say I am strong. And I do exploits. Because I know the God I believed. Say again I am strong. And I do exploits. Because I know the God that I believed. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now the Bible has said that they that know their God. He's not talking about they that know about their God. He's talking about people who know about God. He's talking about people who know their God. The Bible says they shall be strong and they shall do mighty exploits. That's the guarantee that we have in God. That if we know him, there is no way we can be weak. Somebody shout hallelujah. If we understand him, there is no way we can be weak. If we understand him, there is no way we can live ordinary lives. Normal lives. I refuse to live an ordinary life. I can't live a normal life. Tell your neighbor, even if I try. Repeat those words. Somebody shout hallelujah. I cannot live an ordinary life. Even if I try. I can't. Why? Because he says that they that know their God... They shall be strong. They'll look at you and say you're strong. Not just by your muscles. Eh? Not just by the ability of your body. But there are things that you'll do. And they'll say this one is a strong spirit. And the Bible says and they shall do exploits. Give me the amplified of that. He says the amplified version of that. He says but the people who know their God. The Bible says they shall prove themselves strong. And shall stand firm and do exploits for God. So the trick is in the knowing of God. The trick is in the knowing of God. Tell your neighbor the trick is in the knowing of God. He says if you know God, you'll do exploits. If you know God, if you know God, you'll do mighty exploits. Let's read uh, Acts chapter 17 verses 16. I want to show you something interesting. This is an experience where Paul went to Athens. Athens is where? Greece, which presently I read recently, is uh, one of it has the highest one of the highest unemployment rates in the world. Eh, God help those people. Somebody pray for them. Now the Bible says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. You see that his spirit was when you're man of God, you're stirred. A certain way, you're vexed in your spirit when you see certain things. And some of those things look obvious, obviously okay to many people. Who is following what I'm saying? Now he says, and therefore, because he saw that he disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. And then certain philosophers of Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. These were, they were philosophers as he was arguing because he was disturbed about how many idols were, were in Athens. Certain philosophers encounter him. And some said that what will this babbler say? Other some he seemed to be a set forth of a strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And so they took him and brought him to, Iro- brought him to Iropagus saying that may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. They're like, hmm, what God is he talking about? And the next verse says, For thou bringest sudden strange things to our ears, and we would know therefore what these things mean. 
For all, I want you to understand that all the ancients and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. They were always there wanting to tell what's new. What's new? I'm going to come to that, underline that part. Now the Bible says, let's continue. Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now we have a problem or a challenge, if I may say. Paul walks through Athens. And he sees all manner of gods. Idolatry was everywhere. And in there, there was an inscription. In there, there was an inscription. In part of the altars that were built. These guys built a certain altar and they called it the unknown God. And they, they used to also go to that one and worship him. You understand? And Paul says, let me explain to you that unknown God that you don't know. Now, there is no possibility by the accuracy of divinity, that they could have just had an altar of an unknown God, and they were not talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If it was a different God on that altar, even though they didn't know his name and person, Paul would have told them there is an unknown God, but there is also another unknown one that I want to introduce you to. There's possibility that the way of the Spirit had provided a certain knowledge of God in that time, but it was not known to them fully. And so they classified it as an unknown God. And true to form, they, they, Paul must have been right that they were actually talking of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For he was not only the unknown God among the many small little gods, although he is Jehovah God, sovereign. But there are chances, and I believe fully, that I think when Paul saw how the altar was arrayed and the way they worshipped, he looked like the God Paul knew. Then he says, let me explain to you this particular God. Again, it's important for us to note that bracket word statement that was given. That in Athens, all the strangers during that time, I think it was a knowledge generation. The dispensation was rewarding knowledge above experience. And during that time, everybody was gathering to know what was new. What was new? They were curious. You understand? The Greek seek after what? Wisdom. It's what actually, it's what catches their attention. They, they, yes, you can do the signs, those are wonderful, but until they can relate their philosophy to what you're saying, if, if they can't relate their wisdom to what you're saying, they, they can't relate with you. So during that time, they built a culture where everything was related to how wise or what was new and how everything related to philosophy and how everything could connect to the knowledge of that time. And no wonder there were many idols in Athens. Because I think and I believe strongly in my spirit that almost to everything new they were introduced to, they created an idol of. I want you never to forget that. That almost everything new they were introduced to, they created an idol of. Without knowing. That is why when, they start, when he starts talking about this God, they're like, ah, okay, who is this one also? Because if we understand him also, we can give him a certain provision. He, he can sit here also. He becomes among the list of things that are new. That means they used to worship knowledge. Sensual knowledge. Worldly wisdom. It was their glory. It was the science of that time that they gave glory to. Now you see, some people think idolatry is having a small little thing, eh? That you bow to and then you worship. There is a lot of idolatry. Even in present day Christianity. That many of you can assume. Somebody shout hallelujah. There is a lot of idolatry. In the Christendom. More than many of us can actually. Believe. Because for us. We think that idolatry. Is simply building something. Eh? And then you worship something. When you, or you build it or you create it or have something there and then you simply just 
you know, adore it and worship it. And we think, oh, that's, that's adultery. When I look in my room, there is no funny God. There is, no, there is nothing on the wall. There is nothing in my living room. There is nothing in my car. And then, ah, no, 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 no. There are people who are idolaters. I'm not among idolaters. Let me explain what idolatry is. How many of you have, you have read? Of the scripture where he explains of how our weapons are not carnal. But the mighty in Christ, he says, they pull down strongholds. Huh? They, 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 they pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations. The Bible says, and every, listen, high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That means everything, every high, when he calls it every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ, it means that that thing has introduced you to a certain understanding. Of it that sort of contradicts your knowledge of Christ. And sometimes you give it a certain attention and involve with its affairs way more sometimes than you believe, even relate with the knowledge of God in your spirit. That's an idol. There, you can't say amen, and I know why. I'm still preaching. <laughs> Praise God, somebody. There are things that are. That sometimes exalt themselves against the knowledge. They challenge the knowledge of God in your spirit. And once you turn your eyes from the knowledge of God. And attend to those things. And start giving them a certain understanding. A certain attention. A certain. Before you know that every attention and care you give. Almost translates to worship of those things. And before you know that. You have an idol in your house. But you don't even know that you have an idol. Some of you are not even dating. You're married to certain things. Can I give you an example? Android, Oreo 8.1. iOS 8. Windows 10. Uh-uh. What's the first person you see when you wake up? What's the last person you see when you're going to sleep? Then you come to Fanel and start singing. My only hope is you. <laughs> Jesus, my only hope is you. Huh? From early in the... You have a mobile. Still late at night. My only hope is you. But you know what you're really singing? My only joy is you. Facebook, my only joy is you. <laughs> From early in the morning till late at night, I check how many people have liked. <laughs> my only strength is you. What's up? My only strength is you. When I run out of data, I start falling sick. Oh, my only strength is you. What's up? I'm not going to talk about Instagram and Twitter. Skype mentioned it all day. Woo. Jesus, I love you. From early in the morning, I'm always on my mobile phone. My only joy is Samsung. <laughs> Somebody put your hand on your head. Say in the mighty name of Jesus. I refuse these things to be my idol. What? Do you know how many people have worshipped their jobs above Christ? They don't even know. They don't even know. And, and you know what the devil has done to many Christians? He has made them so busy 
that they no longer have time for the Christ. Of course, you're not busy in full, being under Satan's yoke. That's busy. Am I saying that we shouldn't work? No. He says, come to you, to me, all ye who labor. Oh, oh, I'm not, he's not saying don't work. He's only saying that the rest that you receive of the person of God helps you understand the priority of this person and provides for you to do both at the appointed grace of God with the understanding of heaven of why you work. Some people are not working because they are working to the glory of God. It shows in how you even treat money. Some of you, money is, is God. That's why the Bible says you cannot worship two. You'll hate one and love the other. You'll despise one and, and, and honor the other. Mammon is God. Money has become God. There are things you can do for money, but you can't do for the presence. And you know it. There are people they plead with, please come and pray. Let, her, ah, let me see. But you call him and tell him, man, there's a deal of a hundred. Where? What? what? Huh? Huh? Where? where? Uh, no, I'm getting on a border now. No, no, you can, we can push it tomorrow. No, 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 no. I'm getting on a border, border. I have to get there. Like, you, you understand? Even the gospel, if you have not understood how the principles of, of the spirit work, you can build many idols around the anointing. Because the anointing attracts many things. Many things. Many, many things. Some of you worship things you don't even know you worship. But you do. How do I know that? That every time something sets itself contrary to the knowledge of God... If it is reasonably right according to knowledge and science, some of you choose the science and not that thing, not the, not the knowledge of God. Do you know how many things we, we have counseled in the word of God simply because of new knowledge? That is not in line with the word of God. It's not in agreement with scripture. But it is easily explainable. It is reasonable. It is logical. It's analytical. It, 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 it's explanatory. It's philosophically upright. And because of that, we can actually choose to make it higher than our knowledge of God. It, it starts to even set itself against your knowledge of God. And before you know that, it becomes an idol. It becomes an idol. It becomes something that you can't do without that it would take priority over the things of God. And many times we don't know that we have idols everywhere. God becomes the option amidst the many things. He becomes the option amidst many things. I'll tell you something a couple of years ago, many, many years ago when I was at university. Something very mighty happened on my spirit. And it never left me the same again. You know, for example, prayer is a spirit. How many of you know that the spirit of supplication, prayer is a spirit. You, 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 you cannot pray in the mind of God until you understand how the spirit of prayer relates with humankind. How many of you understand that? That makes prayer, prayer is, no, is not an option. It's not even duty. It's supposed to be a life. And because we are talking of an unknown God to many people, he has become Functioned into small little bits of pieces of, of kinds of worship that men have imprinted on our spirits as, as true lives of prayer. But they don't in any way resonate with the mind of God pertaining prayer. Now we have forms. Because even these forms are excuses for us to walk away from the responsibility of the nature of Christianity or of the believer. Maybe you don't understand. Let me explain it to you. How many of you used to be around people who say, oh, you know, midnight is the best time to pray. Hmm? Somebody starts praying at what? Midnight. Then prays from midnight probably up to one and then, then they go to bed thinking, because I've prayed from midnight to now one, therefore God is what? He's working. There are even people who wake up at the 3 a.m. because that's when Saturn what? 
That's when all the demons are roaming in the spirit. That's when, and then they quote the scripture that when men are asleep, the enemy comes and sows tears. Eh? You remember? But you see, that sleep is not physical sleep. It is deeper than that. A, a righteous man foresees evil. Whether he's sleeping or he's awake, he foresees evil and he hideth himself. But the ungodly falls in the ditch and dies. That is why I tell people, it is an abomination by heaven for evil to befall you before you see it. That's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He has promised that he has to keep you and preserve you. The prudence of your spirit must foresee. Even when you're, even when you're praying, that's your prayer. Your prayer should be, God, I thank you. Because nothing gets me off God. Nothing. I see it. And because I can see it, I can deal with it. I can hide myself in the spirit. It will pass me definitely. But it says, but the simple pass on and they are punished. I'm not simple. That's why the gospel comes to give subtlety to the simple man. Proverbs says. To get you out of simplicity. Says that you, you things. And some people, my God, I don't know the God people preach. You know, God, God. You know God can decide and say. You know God can. You can work. Things happen. Things happen. You can wake up and you know God decides and says you'll die in an accident. It's evil to die that way. Tell your neighbor it is evil to die that way. They are talking of the unknown God. They don't know their God. That's why they are not strong. That's why they are not strong. That is why they are not strong. That is why they don't do exploits. That is why they expect evil and it truly befalls them. Because they don't know the God they are worshipping. Some people talk of a God and I'm like, but this is not the God I know. He did not tell you to wake up at 3 or 2 a.m. or midnight. If he does wake you up, wonderful. If you don't wake up, don't judge yourself for not praying at 3 a.m. The God who called you told you, praying always. Through the Holy Ghost. Always through the Holy Ghost. Always. We pray always. He didn't tell us time frames. He says pray always. Let me explain what it means. We are led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that? And because we are governed by the person of the Holy Spirit. The more we yield to his person. If we keep away from the callousness. Of carnality. And we start to yield to the spirit. Every time he will nudge your spirit. When there is a necessity. For you to talk in the spirit. To speak in tongues. To pray. If he tells you to pray when you are having a meal. Pause the meal. And say a tongue for one second or twenty. It's alright. If you are driving and he tells you. You know what? Pray. Open your mouth and rack a hosta. Even if you are in the best meeting. And, and, and you feel it's bubbling. You don't need to shout. No. You can pray under your breath and say. But always as we are governed and led by the Holy Ghost. But they limited us to midnight to kill our heart. To the midday and the 1 p.m. and the 3 p.m. When I need to talk to God. Okay, some of you haven't understood this. Let me go deeper. Christians, many Christians don't pray as a matter of relationship. Many Christians pray as a matter of urgency and problems. Many Christians pray because they have problems. Many. Some of you even why you came to Fanero today is because you have problems. If you didn't have problems, you'd be on your 32 inch. Go TV. Watching Telemundo. So many years ago, when I, I learned how God relates with us through prayer. Something opened my eyes to how many idols I had built that used to hinder my prayer life. 
And I didn't even have a clue. I didn't even have a clue. I got so disturbed that I could watch 24 for 10 hours. But I would not maintain prayer for 15 seconds. Many years ago. I know what I'm telling you. Some of you are so holy. Let me crucify myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? We used to play video games. You play video games for 12 hours. 12! Non-stop. 12! You haven't even taken tea. You just go to the toilet, come back. You understand? Until they chase you from the neighbor's home and say, time is up. Go. Go. Who is understanding what I'm saying? It's so easy to have an idol in your life without even knowing. So easy. And I used to wonder, God, how come I could sit on a video game for 12 hours? What was that thing that could get my attention for 12 hours? And, and, it's thus, and I don't have the attention of heaven for, for one hour. Man, I wish some of you understand. But when I looked at my life, I realized that I built many, many, many idols. And God was among those unknown things. I remember the first time I went to a serious overnight. Serious, I mean I'd gone to overnights before. But this one was serious. Because in the church I used to go to, one of the churches I used to go to, overnight was, overnight was one of the most fun things. Why? Because you go, you praise and worship for like two hours. Then after praising and worship, then some guy preaches a nice sermon for 45 minutes. Then you praise songs and dance and sweat. And then after that, they give you some money, make a break. You then go have tea. Boys sit with their girlfriends. They talk. You know, they make merry exchange numbers. You understand? They even talk. Then some go inside. Others go outside. You understand? And then everything is there. Every crazy thing is there. There were girls with crushes. The boys with crushes. Everything was there. Then they, you go back again. Then another guy encourages you in the Lord for 13 minutes. Then again, they sing. Then the service ends. Then you go back with a tired head and you're like, overnight. Woo. But do I have a witness? Yeah. Then one day, some guy told me, let's go for some overnight somewhere. Who said, let's go. I went with my idols, my religion, my everything in the world, you know, and I loved God. I really did love God. Are you following me? So I, we go there. No more things. We are going to pray. We reach there. Now I go with this excitement. Eh, of, but the way I love you, God, I'm going to pray. So I go with that excitement. And I go, I go to that all overnight. We start praying. I enter the, the cathedral. People are praying. I don't even remember. Yes, I think I'd had tongues then, but there were like a few. Eh? They had full stops and... Broken, broken tongues. They were like that. So, so I remember the overnight begins. Now, these guys have also a very crude way of overnight. They begin it by prayer. And man, when you over pray, there is a way you start looking. Anointed but strange. Deep but uncool. It's... Remember that overnight was to end at 6 p.m. A.m., sorry. So guys start praying. I entered the overnight about 10 p.m. there. Then I saw guys walking. Even me, I said, no, let me also walk. I prayed for myself. From the day I was born to the day I will die. My family, every one of them. I saw people praying. I said, but... This is not over. I said, why don't I go to my uncle, my, my, my relatives, paternal side. I prayed for all of them, from my grandfather, grandmother, everyone. I finished them. Their children, my, everybody, their relatives and their cousins, cousins. Then I said, let me go on mommy's side. I went on my maternal side. I prayed for my auntie, uncle, everybody else. Then I said, by the way, I have friends. I went to my friends of university, finished them. Went to my secondary high school friends. Ladies and gentlemen, by about 10 40.
Do I have a witness? By about 10.40, I have finished them. And I remember the scripture, don't be like them who repeat prayers over and over. So my head tells me, you know what? Go out and find something to do. So I go outside, there was a cafeteria. I said, ah, idea. Why don't I sit, sip tea for like another one or two hours eh? while I think of what to do. Born again. Yet if you gave me a PlayStation at that time and put FIFA, I would do an overnight easily and even wake up and take time to continue. Oh, if you gave me a 24, then a prison break. Lord, have mercy. Who understands what I'm saying? I went, took tea. I, at first I said, no, let me sip it slowly. There were around 80 to 100 people there also taking tea. So I said, let me, I think these guys are also in my bracket. <laughs> no, I'm not badly off, Lord. If you're coming to kill, you're 100. You get it? One by one, they finish their tea. I'm like, God, pass me not, O gentle Savior. By the time I took that tea for close to an hour, small little cup, but we are getting into midnight. These guys I found praying start to look like they have just started. I said, Mutabaniwa Paolo, Matovu, you're gone. And then something out of the blue, Banai, this is, a, this is a, a Christian. Meanwhile, born again who loves God, is going to heaven. And, and during that time, Sam tells me, you know what, there's this person, look at them. I, I just picked interesting people who are walking. There was a guy holding a girl, swinging up, woo, they pick and then come back. Then I said, God, why about you send someone to carry my burden? <laughs> Maybe if I go along, something will happen. Wapi, nothing. So there was this girl I saw walking around the church, and the cathedral was so big. So some out of curiosity, I said, let me count how many times look at someone who has gone to pray. I said, say, let me count how many times she goes around the... Nenga, if you phone me, you'd think I'm serious hearing the voice of God. So I looked at her walking around. One, I counted. For another one hour, I was just looking at someone walking. It dawned on me that day that I don't know God. It's not in how many hours. No, but what was in that woman making her walk around? That wasn't in me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because prayer was routine. It was duty. Pray to survive. Seek the Lord when problems come. They used to tell us every time when trouble comes, pray. When you are persecuted, pray. When you're going, they never told us to pray in good times. They never taught us that prayer was deeper than just the duty and responsibility of Christianity. It was a relationship. It, I didn't know it. And honestly, truthfully to myself, I told that God that night and I told him, teach me to pray. And he told me, you will never learn to pray until you understand me. You know who I am. And that's why I realized until you understand eternity, the eternal plane of God, that the realm, the realm of eternity, the, 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 realm, of eta the, the realm of eternity, how, how the eternal plane of God works in relation with you as a believer. Time will always be a factor when it comes to the things of God. How many minutes are they? Ten. Even if I think they are also long. Twenty minutes. Ten. Fifteen. Five. Three. Two. One. Jesus. Remote. Two hour movie. I do. I do. I do. 
Do you know how many people, are, their, their hearts are panting? You, you remember how the psalmist, who's, 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 who, whose spirit is panting as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Some people, they are, they are, as the deer panteth for the water, so my, my soul longs for my iPhone. You understand? Where's my phone? Even, even the absence of your phone, it can kill you. It can literally, you can die. You find someone, I'm taking my phone. Really, what's, what's, the, what's, what's, what's in that phone? Jesus is not dead. Hello, somebody. He's still seated on the throne. I know why you're not saying amen. And now you've said it, uh-huh. By what spirit? <laughs> Who is understanding what I'm saying? And that's when I realized that I had idols. Because for the first time in my life, I realized that I had time for things that were not of God more than the things of God. And I examined myself before God. That was the first time I saw these things as idols to me. Because whether I knew it or not, I gave them my time. And I exalted them above many things. But I had this mind that I really loved God because I could melt my three, five minutes in the presence and cry a little bit. And people see you crying as if i Look at how he loves his master. But, the, but that was not it. That was not it. You know, sometimes tears come to my heart every time I meet many people who have never really been touched by God. They've just had experiences where the power just came on them for five minutes and they went back home. They went back home. There was a time the power of God hit me for three days. Three. You come out of, you come out of it and you feel like you've just been there for one hour. They never told us that God would be that beautiful. They never told us that God would be that wonderful. They never told us that the anointing could sort everything. They never showed us. We, we did not know that God. We knew a certain God that they were speaking. We, we could scream when they were preaching things that made sense. But when you weighed our tenacity in the spirit, our ability in God, the, we couldn't do nothing. We could not move the spirit. We could not open blind eyes or deaf ears. We, we, we could not... We couldn't get cancer out of bodies. We couldn't. We didn't have the ability to have an effect on a man's soul. But we had a certain line of liberality in the Christian faith we had and we could even debate God on who is this and what. We even argue over scripture. And, and when Paul says that the, 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 the gospel is not in mere talk, this is supposed to be a rebuke to the church. It's not supposed to be a place of of supporting uh, one opposite end debating with the other opposite end. No, he's not trying to tell the other one to debate against the other one without. No, he's trying to, re to, to rebuke the church to understand that there's a place where you get in God and it's almost, in fact, not almost, it's 100% impossible for you not to see him a certain way. But we didn't know him. Even the principles that were read in scripture. They were there as somebody would use a little method to get to something. Like a little puzzle to solve a whole, you know, a, a, to, 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 to simply solve. Just a, a quiz to solve or, or a jigsaw to put together pieces and then you get that picture. And then you use that picture to get a house or a car. One man of God came to me one day and told me, Apostle, tell me all the secrets you use. For Fanero to grow. I looked at this man. Pain came to my heart. Because he looked at God as simply little secrets. Seven, eight. That you're just going to give a man for him to run with. And think that he has responsibility over the lives of men. Sadly, that's the God we think we know. These men are lives. One time I invited a man of God in service here. After service, he called me on the side and told me, man, how much money is here? He asked me, how much money apostle is here? This is the man who has worked with God for probably more than 15 or 20 years. But his head, 
this God, this e, this God, this God, this God. He looks at numbers as money. So when you when I when I ask you, you you're going, all gonna be praising God, but he doesn't know the God is talking about. He doesn't even know the God is worshiping. He doesn't know the God is worshiping. We used to come to church and force worship, force praise, fold faces. You understand? Until you go back home and you're like, but honestly, God, I was acting. There was. Why? Because you sit and everyone is praying. Then you see a woman and say, why is, why, why is that guy praying like that? Then when you see the camera coming on your face, you say, when the camera bypasses you, you come back up. Tell somebody God is sweeter than that. Tell them again God is sweeter than that. And the Lord has impressed it upon my heart that our generation must learn to pray again. I'm going to put a few prayer days where we just come here, no talking. You pray until your tongue falls out. Those of you who can't pray, you will learn by association. But we have to pray again. We, we have to get to a point where people have to wake you up and say, come and eat. Oh God! We have to get to a point you know, when the reality of God finally hits your spirit and you, and you get to know him as he is, no man will ever tell you to pray. No man. You start becoming so conscious about the presence of God. Sometimes when I'm at home, I, I wonder, I, I worry. I worry about myself because sometimes you're just walking in the living room and you're hit with the wonder of Christ. The next thing you know, you're weeping. You don't even know why you're crying. And men, we're hard boys. We, we don't cry over funny things, but he's there. And the next thing you know, your mouth is saying things. You're talking. You're talking. You're talking. Before you know that, it's 3. It's 4 a.m. And you're like, oh my God. How did I even get here? But you see, the day you get to know God, you realize that earthly time literally freezes when eternity fades your experience. And I realized that the number one proof that you have idols is always where your time with God versus other things. You will know whether you have an idol in your life or not because idols are given time. Never forget that idols are given time. Idols always rob our time. They always do. So when God tells us about redeeming the time for the days are evil, it's more than just you... It's more than just the physical words you're hearing. No, it is more of the place of understanding. It ain't mean that you're not going to work or that you're not going to be a good mom or that you're not going to dress your children and help them in homework. No, even when you're helping them in homework or, or dressing them or, or taking them out for a meal, your, your spirit will be in the most perfect fellowship with God. And you will know it. That's why for me, demonstrating power is not something I need to pray about. Even if I tap my foot three times, power can move. Even if I do nothing, it can move. If I purpose it in my spirit, according to the mind of God, it will work. Why? Because I have gotten to a place with him where I, I know, I know how heaven evokes heavenly things. I mean earthly things. How, how the things of the spirit relate with the earthly. The things of the world will grow dim when you understand this God. But we have to stop coming to church because we have challenges. We have to stop coming because it has rained or it hasn't rained. You have to stop going in the presence of God because there was jam or there wasn't. You, you have to stop. You have to stop praying because... Electricity has gone and when it's on you can't pray. Oh, you have to stop the thing of I'll relate with God because I have nothing to watch. When you have something to watch, it takes the prayer. No! God is priority. He's first place. You'll do jobs. But you'll do them in the rest of the spirit that you're yielded to by God. And you'll realize 
the difference between men who serve God even in their labors and men who are enslaved in the very labors. That is why you'll never get enough many of you. And many of you, the more higher you go, the busier you become for God. That's slavery. People are enslaved to things that, that, that will ne don't even matter. They, they don't even matter. They are not even a part of, of your eternal destiny. But they, they have clogged your life. Some of you, if you examine yourself, there is a lot on your plate. You're even busy for things that don't make sense. But you're busy. There are people here who don't have jobs, but they are busy. Their days are full, but they don't have jobs. And neither are they doing anything with their hands, but they are honestly busy. You can even ask to meet them and tell them, ah, can we try Wednesday? But honestly, between now and Wednesday, they have a, a lunch date, movie date, movie date, 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 every day, date, 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 except Jehovah. But the days have come back. The days are here. When men will kill off times and just say, men, you can only go as far in God as the time you avail the spirit. What people see physically, they don't understand that it's the things done in secret. People think people just wake up and then they have very nice messages and then they preach and then people just sit there and then they listen. Listen, if there are messages, there are people who could preach better than I. I tell you. But the Bible says, but the Lord who sees you do in secret, he rewards you openly. Men can speak against you. Men can even accuse you of many things, but they'll never doubt that the hand of God is on you. They will never. They will never. They can't doubt that God is with you. And I fear for a man who speaks against a man who God is with. I fear. Because either way, God is with the man. Some of you things will happen and they'll say, ah, ah, we don't believe that is God. She must have done this. Let, let them see. Have your secret place very clear. No, let it not just be the one thing you're going to do this one week and two weeks and then go back to your normal routine. No, build a lifetime of knowing God. That's eternal life. That they might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus. Seek for an encounter. That will change your life forever. When Abraham left his father's house. He was a normal man. When he encountered God in Canaan. He became the father of many. Moses left the house of Pharaoh. Simply a prince in Egypt. But when he got a burning bush experience. His life was never the same again. The list is endless. Paul of Tarsus Cilicia. There was a separation he had in Arabia. And from the time he came from Arabia, he was another man. Some of you, you don't need a special prayer. You don't need a prophetic word. You, you don't need a man of God to lay hands on you. No, you just need to have one encounter with the Holy Spirit. It will change you. It will change your family. It will change your name, the continents of your vision, the experience. It will change everything. If this man is raised and is simply walking with men and talking, just the words from that man, and just a few minutes later, the Bible says they knew that they were with him. Just they, the, the, they just walked with Jesus. They talked with him. And after talking with him, men could testify and say that they were with him. They knew. They didn't need anybody to debate it, no. There was something that happened to those men when they encountered the Son of God. These things you're wasting time over to waste time and go for prayers, what they put hands, let them do, but the end line is simple. You just need a certain encounter that will change your life forever. For me, it was one. And from that day, I was never the same again. I knew it. Evidently, I was dressed like the average guy. Average, I, I, evidently, there was nothing that on, changed on my body on the outward. But that day, I knew. Why? Because every time I went on the bed to sleep at night, Jesus would wake me up at night. And I would hear him tap me and say, wake up, I need to talk to you. 
he would talk so fast sometimes that I would need to get a pen and start writing because the next day I need to look through to know what this guy is saying. And I remember sometimes I'm walking and I receive these words and I'm like, what? You get it? And then there are times he would come in the night and I'm sleeping and they wake me up and he speaks a whole sermon. And many times I've opened the Bible to find the exact scripture he has quoted and I'd never put my eyes on it before. Listen, God is real. God is real. God is real. God is real. But what this little man didn't know was he, he was trying to build something. I know when God speaks. I know when I'm hearing myself, but I know when the voice of, I know it clearly. I can separate it from any man. I can know that this is God speaking to me. How else would I know who has cancer, who has a tumor, who has a swelling in their breast? How else would I know that this name is this person and they have this? No, there's a certain relationship. There's, there's a way you, you get to know God. When situations come through, eh? trouble comes and evil days come, you'll be amazed what this knowledge does. Because you see, what people don't know is when God, after the commissioning, when God gives you a name, and he gives you a, a function in the spirit. I mean, name here, I mean, not just the usual name people call, you know. But there's something he puts on your name. You remember when, he, when the Christ had died and resurrected? The Bible says he was given a name above every name. That at the sound of that name, 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 at the sound of that name. That, that, when, it, when the devils say, Paul, we know. There's a certain name God gives you in the spirit that even... When your name is spoken by any place on the face, the devil knows who you are. Your name starts to go ahead of you for great things. It starts to cross borders for great things. People talk about you even when you don't intend. People, during that time, people would call me and they say, we're talking about you and the power of God hit us in the room. They were simply talking. There's a man of God called, and the moment they mentioned, not because... No, but you see, you're so one with the Christ that even your name connects them with the divinity. Yet you know it's not in you. It is in the Christ you're in. That is why Paul explains to them in the very context and tells them, brethren, this unknown God you're talking, in him we live, move, and have our own being. He said, and in 1 John 5, 20, says, little children, 21, stay away from idols. Stay away from idols. Stay away from idols. I'll be driving, and as someone hits my spirit in two seconds, two. If I tell somebody that I've actually received summons in two seconds, people won't believe it. But you see, when, when the heavenly light illuminates your spirit in knowledge, you'll realize that he does not teach you like your mind adapts. This is spirit coming in contact with the human spirit. This is not God trying to speak to your mind to understand. No, this is now your mind later processing what the light of the glorious gospel has imprinted on your spirit because you're yielded to God. Many times I, I would read scriptures in my visions in the night and wake up and they are so. And I'm like, which kind of God is this? Sometimes you've seen me here and I'm saying there's somebody in the back having this. No, some of those visions, I would get them the night before. Some of them at 2, 3 p.m. I'm praying and then I see how the whole service will go. And sometimes I, I want to explain to somebody that you see, when you get to know this God, the future is not a mystery because it's the same today, yesterday and forever. I wish they would know. Now I know why John says that that which we have touched, handled, Beheld, looked upon, concerning the word of life. We pray that you'll have fellowship with us. For our fellowship with the Father. You experience the life and you wish that every man would, would feel. They would touch, they would test, they would look upon this word. That it will become so tangible and alive in their life. That everything they say, they really can do. Because they know the God of the word. Many of you quote scriptures. But these scriptures, they don't take you anywhere. They don't, they don't lead you anywhere. Because you're talking of a God that is foreign 
to your experiences. You don't even know. When you say God is providing, what do you mean? Oh, I claim healing. What do you mean? Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to get to a point where you're so one with the word of God that everything you speak. Have I laid hands on anybody? Why is he moving? Why is he moving? Because he looks to fulfill his word and he approves me. As one who has seen and touched. Tested him concerning the word of life. The words we speak, they are spirit and life. I don't just drop words. No, I know the God I'm talking about and the ability he has. I've spoken in the lives of men one word and their life was altered for the rest of their destiny. Because I know that I'm not alone in this. I have this God. I don't now go into prayer because I must pray. I go into prayer because I have a relationship with him. I don't fast because I have to fast. I go into the fast because I have a relationship with him. I give because I have a relationship with him. I preach because I have a relationship with him. I love because I have a relationship with him. I forgive because I have a relationship with him. I hold my peace and silence even in turmoil. Because when he gave you the name and gave you the function, he gave you a certain identity before him. That is the identity that resonates with the deepest thing in the inside of you. That whatever it is, it is working for your good. That confidence does not come simply because you know the word. That confidence comes because you know the person. The man built Bethel. It was the house of God. And they all used to come to congregate to pray. Until one time on the man's journey, he saw that the experiences, the exploits, they were not happening. The life of the spirit was not evident in him. He asked God, what should I do? God told him, let's go back. You left something there. Because when you built the house, you forgot to know the God of the house. He built the altar. And then he changed from Bethel. He called it El Bethel. Meaning that I needed to know the God of this house. I need to understand the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not just... Some of you can even walk out of faith tomorrow. There are people here who can join religion the next day. Because it has not been an experience. Some of you, you're simply in salvation because a Muslim boy has not come. A very handsome Muslim boy will come and take you. Because you don't know who you are. You don't know who you relate with. Some of you, it's just a few words. They'll cause you to leave the fellowship of God. Because you don't hear him. You don't hear him. Do you know why we have trouble in the world? Simple. Men don't hear God. Even the debates and rumors and wars between churches and Christianity. It is because when men hear things, when men hear rumors, they don't ask God, you tell me. No, they don't even have ears to hear. He doesn't even relate with them enough to talk with them. He's abstract like a picture on the wall. God is supposed to be real. He says, they that know their God, they'll be strong. They'll do mighty exploits. I remember when we started cells many years ago. I used to sit in cells. Even if you go back to the oldest books in history and check what was my prayer request every cell day, I always used to say one thing, that I may know him. That I may know him. Some of you, you're asking for jobs. No. Pray that you may know him. Some of you are asking for cars and houses. No. Pray that you may know him. Pray that you may know him more intimately. That you will feel him. You know, let me tell you something. There was a time as I was going through a very troublesome time. Very troublesome time. And God came so strong, so strong upon my body that I remember during that time, I, I could not. <laughs> and he whispered in my ears and told me, it is well. Man, when, when you hear God, it's because many of the things that you hear, God has not spoken in them. Many of you don't carry the sounds of the voices and words written. Why do you think the Bible says 
that in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Do you think that in a multitude of counselors there is safety because they are saying things you don't know? No. A counselor will tell you, do this. A man of counsel with a spirit will tell you, do something. It ain't mean that what he's telling you, you don't know. No. It only means the safety in the counsel is because there's a sound behind the words you're hearing. There's a sound behind the voice that man is speaking. And that's what separates the anointing of the gift and the anointing on the minister. The anointing of the gift simply ends to the room of space to make sense to either the things you know or already know. But the anointing on the minister sounds bottomless things that align you deeper to the instruction that causes you to obey. Even when you knew the word before but you could not do it. Don't think that when a man of the spirit tells you, don't lie. You didn't know that you don't lie. No, you know that you're not supposed to lie. But you see, even when you knew that you're not supposed to lie, you did not have the power not to lie. But when you sit in the presence of a minister who is anointed as a man of God and he tells you don't lie, even though he has repeated the same things, he has spoken with a sound that vindicates him way deeper than simply the instruction not to, but the power not to. That's why there is safety in the counsel of the spirit. God wants to give your words weight. That when you say this is going to happen, it will happen. When you say I'm changing, I will change. When you say I'm leaving this level, I'm going to the next, it will happen. God wants to give you a sound that when you speak, the world listens, the nation bows, men respond. The things that are living are non-living. Listen to you. Because you know who you're talking to. Come and raise two minutes and just talk to him. Power of the Holy Ghost. God touch somebody. Give a man an experience. Give a certain woman an experience. I'll give you two minutes. Just take two minutes or three and just talk to God. Freeze your time, your agenda, your program and simply tell him, God, that I may know you. Oh, me. 
God, I pray for somebody on this ground and I don't know who. That they may drink from the well we drunk. That they may pick from the source we picked. That they all drink of the very river I drank. We drank. Touch somebody. Give a man an encounter that will change their life for good. says you shall decree a thing and it shall be established God may we love you may we respond to your love thank you Jesus if you receive it shout hallelujah Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.